Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Um, well, for those of you that I haven't met, my name is uh, Jeff Peterson. Uh, as my wife said, we're honored to be the, the founding lead pastors of Authentic Church. And we love this church. We love the house of God. We love what God is doing. Uh, for me, when I got saved uh, over 20 years ago now, so I've actually been walking with God longer than I was not walking with Him. But when I got saved, I just, I loved coming to church. Like it was honestly, it was like my favorite day of the week. It was that, that boost, that shot in the arm, the, the, the spiritual impartation that I needed, especially as a baby Christian that was walking out some challenging times, uh, to say the least, in my life. And God just began to work on me and transform me. And, and our heartbeat is that you have that same, that same passion as well, that that's what happens this morning, that, you know, we didn't, None of us came to hear a man speak, but I believe we all came to hear God speak. And so our prayer every Sunday is that you would encounter God. Like my wife said, you would encounter God, you'd discover that community, and that there's a purpose, there's something on your life, and it's our joy to watch that be unleashed, and that you would have a massive impact in the world around us. Because how many know this world (laughs) needs more of Jesus, and Jesus in you is how we're going to change this world, amen? Well, hey, I want to let you know that uh, November uh, 8th, this Tuesday, is voting day. So if you're not registered to vote, I want to encourage you, please, for the love of God and everything holy, register to vote. You can register, you can go in person, right across the the, uh, parking lot right here is uh, an area where they're going to be voting, and I want to encourage you, vote in person if you are able to. Go in person on the day of, vote in person. And um, and, unless you're voting to raise taxes on ourselves, because then you could vote on Wednesday. (laughs) That's a joke, that's a joke. You know, I never understood that a number of years ago. We, I don't say we, some people in California voted to raise our taxes, and I'm like, man, we're already paying more than anybody else. Like, it just seems to me, I don't know that we need more money as much as we need better management, right? You can, you can throw a lot of money at a broke person, they're still going to be broke, right? You know, so it's like, you know, maybe we just need some better management. So I want to encourage you uh, to do that. I personally, um, there's a lot of propositions that are on the ballot. Um, I personally voted no on every single one of those propositions, and I put together a pastor's perspective, thank you, I put together a pastor's perspective voting guide. Um, If you would like to see how I voted, I'm very transparent in that. I believe that Christians should be involved in politics. Um, I think we need more of that, and and, and the reason that I would say that is that, that what happens in government, what happens in politics, affects the livelihood, affects the lifestyle of all the people. And because God loves people so much, we know that, right? We quote that, John three sixteen. God so loved the world. Because he so loves the world, he so loves Orange County, he so loves people that he actually cares about what laws get enacted, what things get put into place, because if those laws have a negative effect on people, God doesn't want those laws. Anywhere you look in, in God cared about leadership in the Bible, you see throughout the scriptures, some would say, well, I think churches should stay out of politics. And, and I would say, okay, and, and I've heard some people say, I, I just want you to stick to the Bible, right? So 
I'll play that. Let's stick to the Bible. Take a look at the Bible and read through the Bible and see how many scriptures and how many stories and how many people that God raised up at critical hours of history to do something in government, right? You can look all the way back to Joseph. Joseph was raised up in government. Moses ended up being raised up. And then he had to right some wrongs. And then you take a look at King David. Because Saul became wicked, God raised up David, right? And then David's son, Solomon. You take a look at how God used Daniel. God used Esther. God used Nehemiah. God used Ezra. God used Zerubbabel. You see all these people all throughout history, even in the New Testament... God used people, and people got involved in different aspects of government. Paul actually said, hey, I want to actually go before Congress. I want you to bring me before the magistrates. I want you to bring me before people that are in authority because I got something to say to them. John the Baptist was actually beheaded because he wouldn't keep his mouth shut about a horrific uh, sin of a relationship that Herod was having. And so they ended up, be, his wife ended up getting jealous and frustrated and mad and whatever. And so long story short, he ended up costing John his life. And so like people, God, God wants us to be a voice. Now some would say, well, what do you think of like, you know, Romans chapter 13, where it's like be subject to the authorities. Okay. If you look at that, I just want, I just want to go down the logic train with you. Uh, one of my favorite classes my kids took last year was a class on logic. For high schoolers. How many know that needs to be taught more? And, and in the classes, they talked about the, the deduction of right and wrong and how logic and critical thinking and things. Let me just go down the logic train. Okay, so Paul said that, right? Be subject. Well, if, if you just read that subject, like be submitted, you don't really understand unless you really look at the, the, the tense of what that word is saying. It's actually saying there's an order, there's a hierarchy of things. It doesn't mean that we just have to be subject to whatever crazy laws that kings and presidents and whoever wants to throw down. Well, the church should close, so then a bunch of churches close, right? It's like they, they want you to, you know, I've heard so many Christians over the last few years say, well, we just need to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. And they use that unless they're smuggling Bibles into China. And then we don't submit. I mean, think about that, right? Paul, Paul, Paul said that, but then he was the same guy that had to sneak out and get in a wicker basket and have them lower him down the side outside of the city wall so that he could hide. Is Paul a schizophrenic? Like, does he not, <laughs> does he not know what he's talking about? He's in one sense, submit yourself. And then the other sense, he's like hiding and trying to go down. No, no, he's saying you got to subject yourself. So if, if you're going to speak out, there might be some ramifications. If they pass down laws that you don't feel are godly laws that we should follow and you break those, then just know that you're going to be subject to those. And I, I've yet to really meet any Christians that spoke out that broke any crazy laws anywhere in the world, United States um, mandates here or things that happen around the world that weren't excited to stand up and say, fine, I'm not going to resist arrest. You can go ahead and cuff me right? Go ahead, do it, do what you want to do. They're almost excited. It's like, hey, because I'm suffering, this is actually going to increase the boldness of my brothers and sisters all around the world to take a stand for righteousness. So all to say, we need to take a stand for righteousness and get out there and vote on November the 8th. Amen. 
And I love this proverb, Proverbs 29 too. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. If you don't vote, then do not complain about whatever outcome that you see after Tuesday, all right? You got to vote. If you're not going to vote, then you have no place to groan and complain. So let's get out and vote. Well, I'm fired up to share the word of God today. Let's pray and then let's jump into it. Amen. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you, God, as we jump into your word. Lord, I thank you. Your word is alive, God, that it's going to do, it's, you're, you're going to do heart surgery today. God, that you're going to move throughout the congregation, move throughout all of us. God, I pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds. Lord, we're asking, Father, for you to give us that impartation, that, that revelation that leads to total transformation. God, we don't want to just hear some good information, some stories, some scriptures, some text. God, we want to receive a revelatory word from you, a rhema word from you, speaking to us, our hearts, our minds, for this moment, this time that you've placed us here on earth. God, we pray, Father, that you would now speak through your word. We're here, we're gathered together. It's no accident that we're all together in this house on this Sunday, living in this time in 2022. And so, God, we're praying and asking for your Holy Spirit to speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, we're in week six. If you're new, kind of catching up on what's going on at Authentic Church, we're in week six of a series that we titled Kingdom Come. And it's a series that's really been dedicated to praying powerful and effective prayers. And I think a lot of us would say, hey, prayer's a good thing. Right? I've, I've yet to really meet a person that's like, prayer's a bad thing. Right? So they're, they're, we see it as good, and sometimes we get really inspired, like especially on January 1st, we're going to start the year, and it's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray an hour a day, you know, whatever it might be, right? And then somewhere like life happens and things trail off. So I, there's, there's, there's times of inspiration, but I find a lot of times for Christians in the body of Christ, they know that they, they should pray, they want to pray, they just don't know how to pray. And so throughout the series, we've done our best to be able to try to provide resources to you, teachings to you, that really teach how to pray. So in week one, we went through the, um, the foundational elements of prayer. And then, uh, and, and we taught just laying a good uh, theological foundation for prayer, why we pray, and hopefully a motivator to pray. And then in week two, we went through the Lord's Prayer. And then in the course of going through the Lord's Prayer, uh, we, we, we created the daily prayer card, which has been awesome. How many of you enjoyed the daily prayer card? It has all the scriptures and everything laid out. And, and well, the, the heartbeat behind that is the, the, the daily prayer, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. That prayer wasn't designed to be a 20-second mantra that you just say over and over again like I did growing up when I did things that were bad and the priest at my local Catholic church would tell me, Jeff, you can't do that anymore. And go say 10 Our Fathers and 12 Hail Marys, right? It wasn't designed to be a, a mantra, but um, the way that rabbis would teach, they would actually teach in an outline form. So when Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer, he gives us seven key areas to pray over as a model. And so we go through that, and, and that prayer card teaches that, and, and uh, apparently everybody's loved it because we're like all out of copies, so we're getting more copies printed for you, so they'll be here next week if you want copies, and I highly encourage you 
take two, three, four. Honestly, take 10. I don't care how many times we need to reprint it. I've sent out copies to friends and families. Uh, I posted a few pictures on my Instagram account and I had like buddies from Washington and Florida and, and uh, all over the place saying, hey, where can I get a copy of that? You know, so I'm like, I feel like I'm an I'm executive admin at, you know, at the United States Post Office sending them out like every few days. Somebody wants a prayer card. So I just want to let you know we're providing that to you. It'd be honest, awesome to have, a, have that as a resource. And then in week three, we went through when we learned the prayer of Jabez out of 1 Chronicles 4.10. And Jabez prays four specific things. He says, bless me, increase my influence. And then he says, Lord, put your spirit upon me and then keep me from evil. And we go through those, those, those four key areas of the prayer of Jabez. It was so powerful. And then in week four, I, I shared about how, how to pray for people to know God. There's people in your life, in my life, that need to know Jesus. If they do not have a relationship with Jesus, their eternity is not, it's not confirmed for heaven. They don't, they, don't have, they, don't, they don't have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we spent time, how do we actually pray for those of, that are friends and families to know Jesus? Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I, I, wanna, I don't just want to have a family gathering at the table and, and, and talk about politics or whatever might have agitated somebody. I actually want it to be meaningful conversation. And so that, that message, we outlined some of that as well as uh, some scriptures on salvation, and we, we went through the, the Roman road to salvation. And then in week five, last week, we talked the secret of experiencing joy in prayer, which is really the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't caught up or if you want to catch up on any of those, those are on podcasts and YouTube, and just want to in encourage you today in, uh, in that. Um, and it's my honor to really bring a word that I feel is, is just so timely. And we're going to take a look. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me now to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. And uh, it's really my honor to, to, to bring a word from this book. And it's interesting that this message in the series ended up falling right before the uh, election. Uh, I, I wish I was that smart and would have planned that out when I started thinking about this series back in the summertime, but it just kind of started falling into place that it, this would so be the message right before our, our voting day. And, you know, God's word is timeless, uh, but God's word is also very timely. And it's a timeless word, and God brings it in a timely sense for us. And so we're going to go through uh, the, the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah. And, and, and like I prayed earlier, my, my hope is that it's not just information. Uh, information is great. There's brilliant theologians here uh, at Vanguard University that would be happy to have you as a student in their, cl in their class. There's a lot of great places to go and gather information. Our heartbeat here at Authentic Church is that you're going to encounter God and that there's going to be some level of revelation. There's going to be an impartation that happens as we go through this chapter together. Then it's going to lead to transformation today. So Nehemiah, let me just give you let me give you a backstory on what's going on in this book. So so you take a look at Nehemiah. This book was written a little over 400 years before Jesus was born, and uh, the book was written. It coincides with with uh, prophet uh, uh, pr prophetic writings like the book of uh, Malachi. Uh, you take a look at uh, Ezra's writings and Nehemiah's. In fact, the Nehemiah Ezra book is looked at as one in the in the in the Jewish uh, biblical text of their, their Old Testament uh, writings, and you take a look at the, the book of Nehemiah and what was going on at that time, I just want to throw this out to you, 
Again, God's word's timeless, but it's also very timely. Tell me if this does not sound familiar. I'm just going to outline a few things that were going on in Nehemiah's time. During the time of Nehemiah, the people of God were living under godless leadership. <laughs> there was widespread woke apostasy where the government was replacing God as our hope for heaven rather, rather than God being God. Uh, there was national government that was not favorable to God's people living in obedience to him. There were some states, regions, cities that were in growing increasingly hostile to faith, family, and freedom of the Jewish people. It was pushing many of them where they had to move, where they could actually worship God freely. And again, this is the storyline of Nehemiah. This is the setup, okay? Their freedoms were being stripped of them. There were people living in fear. Their income and lack of prosperity uh, was totally under the, uh, the, uh, an oppressed gov uh, government that was oppressing them. They were disrespected, dejected, and looked down upon by society. They lived in a culture that wanted to indoctrinate their kids into godless living. There were supply chain issues, famines, lack of resources. Cost of living taxes made it difficult for them to own anything. And in Jerusalem, the walls were broken down. Lawlessness was rampant. They had no protection. And they had no borders. I think somebody needs to send a copy of Nehemiah or the Bible to Sacramento or to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, right? There was, there, there was, there was a lack of protection. And, and you know, in, in Nehemiah, the, 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 the setup is you take a look at it, and it, it's so painfully obvious that one of the reasons why history needs to be taught is so you don't repeat it. The sad thing is we often don't learn from our history and we become, like Proverbs says, the dog that returns to its vomit. And that's what was happening with the nation and, and they were starting, but there, there's, there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. And so the book of Nehemiah outlines a little bit of the remnant. All right, if you're there in Nehemiah chapter 1, say amen. All right, and if you don't have your Bible, we got a big Bible right here. All right, okay. Somebody's like, I think I should say amen there. That was a good part to say amen. All right, Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's get into it. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Halkaliah. Thank you. Now, it happened in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, in the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had actually survived the exile, and I asked them about Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The wall of Jerusalem was broken down the gates are destroyed by fire. So then Nehemiah, he's hit with this news. It's like, now what do you do with it? He hears the news, and he's crushed. Verse 4, it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept, and I mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant, and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which have sinned against you. 
even me and my father's house, we've sinned against you. So Nehemiah, he hears these words. He hears the news from his brother about what's going on with the people of God, and it, it, it shakes him. It shakes him. He's like this, is, like, this is not right. Like, what in the world is happening? And, and he's moved to tears about what's going on in another area. For He's just moved. There's suddenly, there, he goes from just, hey, there's some news out there, to suddenly becomes a burden for him. And the challenge that we have, and a lot of times, even us Christians, we can become so numb to the things in the world. We just hear about another murder. We hear about another fraudulent situation. We hear about this and we hear about that. And you're like, oh, well, that's what, I mean, that's what happens. That's, that's what goes on in that country. Or that's, that's kind of what happens in that area of town. Or what, and we can become numb to those things. In this moment, when he heard these news, this news, like he was rocked. And for me, one of my prayers is, Lord, I want to be sensitive. I, I want my heart, I want my heart to be broken for what breaks yours. Like I want, I don't want to just go past somebody. Like we're doing the AC outreach where we're helping people in the city with the blessings bags, blessing bags for those that are less fortunate. And Lord, I, I don't want to just drive past them and be like, well, they probably did something that deserved that. They probably actually want to be homeless. Like, I don't want to have that attitude. Like, I want to have a heart that's compassionate. I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to look at a family that's all broken down and they're fighting and they're arguing. And I don't want to be just like, well, man, you reap what you sow. No, I want to be moved with compassion for what's going on in people's hearts and minds. And not just because I'm a pastor. I want to be moved with compassion because I'm a son of God, that I'm a Christian. And that, that, we, that we are called to, to actually do something about it. So, Lord, I'm, I'm praying, Lord... You know, so I want my heart to be soft. Help my heart to be soft towards you. So Nehemiah prays, prays some of these things. In verse 7, he says, we have acted very corruptly against you. So he's basically taking it, he's saying the whole, all of us. Like, we, we've all, we, we're not following your ways. We've acted corruptly against you. We've not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant. And so now, Nehemiah throws it back to God, and he, he, he's calling on God now. He says in verse 8, remember the word. Remember your word, God. Remember what you said. Remember what you, God, I'm, I'm asking you, God, would you remember that prophetic word that you gave me, that I, that I was going to be married? Would you remember the prophetic word that you gave me concerning the house that I'm believing for, the living situation? God, would you remember the word? I'm remembering it, God. I'm bringing it to your, to your mind now. God, would you remember the word? He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I'm going to scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen. So he's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to remember. I, I know we've done bad. I'm, I'm saying we, we are guilty. Guilty is charged. God, would you forgive us? And God, I'm asking, would you remember the other part of your word? You said that the conditional blessings were if we followed your ways, you would bless us. And if we didn't, then we would be scattered. Lord, 
I'm returning back to you. I'm trying to right the ship. I'm trying to get back in line with you. I'm trying to get my life back in line with you. I'm trying to walk away from the things that have caused me to sin, the relationships that has caused me to sin, the alcohol that has caused me to sin, the addictions. That's, I'm, I'm trying to walk away from those things. God, would you remember? Would you have mercy? Would you remember me? He said, but if you return to me and keep my commandments, he's saying this to the Lord, you said this, God, and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen. Why? To make my name dwell there. Lord, I want your name to dwell in the Peterson house. I want your name to dwell in Authentic Church. I want your name to dwell in Costa Mesa, in Orange County. I want your name to dwell here. There's power in you. I want your name to dwell here. Verse 10, they are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Chapter 1 of the book of Nehemiah, incredible book read through it, 13 chapters, it won't take you long, beautiful, beautiful, uh, encapsulates the story of the people of God and returning to the Lord, and the reality was that their walls were broken down, and our reality is, our walls are broken down, some of, some of the walls in the, in the city, some of the walls in our state, some of the walls in our government, but if I could just personalize it for a moment, some of the walls in our lives are broken down. And where we're standing right now is near a pile of rubble that used to be a great protective wall. And maybe for you, maybe you're sitting here today and, man, at one time you were on fire for God. You were declaring the things of Him. It felt like you were 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You were making great choices and life was going good. And then somewhere there was, there was a crack in the wall and there was a broken down and a said yes when you should have said no and different things and suddenly those great walls that serve to protect you and fill your life with blessing suddenly is broken down and now it's rubble maybe there's some dreams some visions and you had great hopes for it now it's rubble maybe you started the year off 2022 this is going to be my year you had all these visions and dreams it's lying in rubble maybe you had a great relationship and that relationship ended or broke down or some things didn't happen that man you regret and now you feel like it's in rubble maybe your hope is in rubble vision you had in rubble some of you you got books inside of you to write that you know God's called you to write and it's in rubble there's things that God wants you and, and today this morning he's just breathing on that and you're going to take it one brick at a time and man, he's going to start building a new wall. There's going to be a new level of blessing and protection in your life. And, 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 and as, I, as I share today, I, I believe that God and his Holy Spirit is just moving through. He's going to tell you that's a piece of rubble that you need to pick up. I titled this message, Praying Rubble to Revival. Praying Rubble to Revival. And it begins with prayer. Everything begins with prayer. We like to say it this way at Authentic Church, that prayer is a catalyst for everything. 
You want to see something change? Get on your knees first before you go and try to conquer the world. Before Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to try to rebuild and God used him incredibly, if you know the story, he ends up going back and, and God used him to kind of set in place some uh, governmental systems and processes and different things to rebuild areas that were broken down. It was beautiful, but before he got up to do that, he got down and he prayed. Some of us, we get too, too much ahead of ourselves. I'm, I'm a bit, you know, I'm going to tell on myself, I'm a little bit of a ready, fire, aim guy. You know, ready, fire. Okay, now I'm going to aim. Ready, fire, aim. And, and, and that could be a blessing or that could be a curse, okay? <laughs> but I'm, I'm a man of action. Like, I want to go. Like, I want to do something. Like, come on, Lord, you know, go like, you know, give me my mountain. Let's go, you know? And, and the Lord knew what he got when he picked me, and he's been working on me ever since, you know? <laughs> but I can be a little bit of that way. In, 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 in prayer, as a rhythm, as a daily habit, it's just a, a beautiful kind of, okay, let's recalibrate. Uh, this week we had um, our first of a, a series of monthly uh, leadership luncheons that we're doing via Zoom. And it was just a great time, and we gathered together and jumped on a Zoom during lunch hour from 12 to 12.30, and I shared about some different things from uh, a great book that I highly recommend called Atomic Habits. It's a leadership book, and um, it just shared about some of the things, and one of the, one of the great habits uh, of my life and where I've seen like breakthrough and success wasn't because I was so smart, because I'm not. It wasn't because I was more talented, because I'm not. It wasn't because I was just sharper or harder working. It wasn't that really like one of the great, when I look at my life and what God has done, it's really been because I just realized my own shortcomings, I, I really do spend a lot of time in prayer because I need it. <laughs> And, and, and my battle cry is that I don't want prayer to be my last resort. I want it to be my first response. And for all of us, that's, that, that's the posture I want to encourage you to have. Make prayer your first response, not your last resort. Like a lot of times it's like, man, we've tried everything else. We should probably pray. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I feel something coming on. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm down. I'm feeling depression. I'm feeling anxiety. Okay, pray. I, I'm feeling like work's not going well. Uh, there's things that are happening. I conversations that are okay. Let's pray. Like I, I don't know what's going to go on in, in in Thanksgiving, and I'm worried because this family's coming and that person, and we still haven't resolved. Okay, okay. But let's pray. Like like prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. And right now in America, you don't have to look far to find a burden to, for prayer. You don't have to look far to look at what we need to pray for in different areas. I mean, you know, in the children of Israel, they were, um, you know, they were, they were a people, they were God's people. But man, you were like, what are you thinking? Like you read through the Old Testament and you're like, man, you guys, like you couldn't keep your attention span for like barely half a generation. Like, you know, it's like, you're like, yay God. And then the next minute you're like, hey, let's go marry a bunch of these women over here and let's have multiple wives. And God's like, no, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like knock that off. It's like, you know, Moses goes up to, 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 to the hill where he's going to get the Ten Commandments and the associate pastor is there, Aaron, his older brother. And it's like five seconds later, they're like, you know, what should we do? And Aaron's like, I don't know. They're like, we're going to build a gold. We're going to melt down all the gold and create a, a golden calf that we're going to wor worship. And Aaron's like, 
yeah, okay, let's, let's do that. I don't know where my brother is. I mean, it's like, you know, like, dude, come on. One of the reasons the Old Testament is so thick is because those, <laughs> the Jewish people were so stiff-necked. Like, you know, like you just, you know, they couldn't kind of keep them on track, you know. But in every time, in every season, you see God's hand of mercy being extended. And even when things get broken down, there's always a remnant. And I, 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 would even, I would even challenge this. For every person that's ever walked with God or worked away for, walked away from God, there's still a remnant. There's still something there. They may go and look for it in other places. They may go and look for it in other relationships. They may look for it in different things. But there's always that flickering flame that's there that's calling them back. Calling them back. Called me back. How many of you could attest to the fact that, yep, there's that, there was always that flickering flame where God seemed to, I, I started to drift, and then he's like, nope, 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 come on, come on, son. But Lord, I've done this, that, and the other. It's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Get up. Let's go. I love you. Come on. But Lord, I'm, I'm, I can't do, no, 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 you can. I'm going to help you. And then he reminds you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Christ wants to strengthen you. Jesus wants to strengthen you. He wants to breathe life. He wants, he wants to get a hold. It's all right. Get back up. Let's go. Let's go. There's always a remnant. No matter how bad things get, there's always a remnant. No matter how bad uh, California has gone in the last couple of years, come on. There's a remnant. There's a remnant. No matter how many people leave to Texas, there's people coming back. <laughs> there's a, <laughs> Like, there's a remnant here. You're part of the remnant. So God's patient. He gives them many chances. And then there's this scripture, like, so if you go, okay, so they're going back to Jerusalem. Some of you are like, whatever happened? What happened was God gave them numerous times to change and repent. He sent prophets. He sent prophetic words. He sent some times where they did not experience the blessing of God. He's like, guys, I'm trying to get through your head right now. If you turn to me, if you'll just turn to me, <laughs> like, you know, like he's like that parent that's like, would you for the love of God, please just listen, right? That God's like just, and he's so patient and kind, but their disobedience begins to fill up the bowls of God's wrath. And he's like, guys, please, I don't, guys, you're going to reap what you sow. I'm, Lord, guys. And then his wrath gets poured out, and then they're carried off into exile. Second Kings 25 actually shares about this, and this is in um, 597 BC, so 597 years before Christ. The disobedience of the people they ends up filling the bowls of God's wrath, and King Nebuchadnezzar he, he goes in and he conquers Jerusalem, and we'll pick it up in Second Kings 25. It says, and he burned the house of the Lord. And the king's house, not just the place where they worshipped, but he, he tore down their governmental system, the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem. So it was the house of the Lord, the government, your own personal property, is gone. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard, they broke down the walls around Jerusalem. So they broke down the walls. Now for you and I, you hear like broken down walls, you're like... Okay, so a wall's broken down. Like, during that time, like, just if, if I can bring it into context for the world that we live in, it would be as if there are no police officers. There are no ring door cams. There is no cavalry coming to help you. There is nobody that's going to save you. Walls are broken down. You're living in fear. Uh, imagine a place where you could do the most evil, heinous things, and you would never, ever get in trouble for doing it. 
right? There's, there would be, it was like defund the police times a million. And there was total anarchy. So you're living in fear. You're, you're afraid for your wife, your children. You're afraid for your, your husband. You're afraid for your extended family. You're like, well, it's, it's getting dark. You better come inside. It's like a bad, scary movie, right? That's, that's how they're living. And, 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 and so they get drug off. But then the Lord had a remnant. And one by one, they began to return. So there was actually three waves of the people of God that went back. The first wave that went back, went back with a guy named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel went back and he brought about 46,000 people, it's a lot, with him back to Jerusalem. And they began to rebuild and do some things. But because the walls were broken down and because they just didn't have uh, the proper structures in place, it's like they just couldn't get the momentum. And they'd start to build and then they'd get knocked back. And then the second wave was a guy named Ezra. Now Ezra came and he brought a spiritual foundation to their lives. So it's kind of like, hey, you're kind of starting to do some of the right things. That's good. Let me give you a spiritual foundation and show you what God says in his word, the promises he has for you, for your life. Let's live according to these things. So Ezra was a scribe and, and so he began to bring the, 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 the word of God back to them and the ways of God and the character of God and they begin to instill it. But then where things really took a turn for good was when God raised up Nehemiah, which was about 13 years later. God raised up Nehemiah in what we just read where he heard the word. He was moved with the burden. He began to pray, but he took action. That he didn't just stay there in a, a prayer meeting. I remember when I got, first got saved and I would go to these prayer meetings and, 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 and the, the older ladies of the church always loved it because they're like, who is this young guy that wants to pray? And for some reason, like a lot of men have relegated the, the dealings of prayer to the women. And I, I love in this church how we have men who pray. At 6 a.m. on Wednesday mornings, men come out and they pray with me. And we pray right here. We pray over each other. We pray over you ladies. We pray over this house. Like this, I, I love the fact that men are praying. I know uh, my buddy Jason Edgman gathers with men and they pray and walk and go through their schools where, where he's a teacher at. Like they, they're, they're, This is a house where men pray. I love that. So I would go to these prayer meetings and, and I'd be with these older ladies and, and they, they loved me they loved me praying, Miss Tony. And we would pray together and, and we'd pray until the fire of God fell, you know? And we would pray and pray and pray in these prayer meetings. And then, uh, and then we'd get up from them and I noticed that sometimes a group of people that would come and pray, they would actually just come and pray, but they actually never did anything. And, and, and it kind of hurt my heart. And again, being a guy that's kind of like, Okay, what are we going to do? Like, you know, like, let's be, let's have some action. What are the action items? Like, anytime I have a meeting with somebody, I'm like, okay, what's an action item? Let's write down the action item. What are we going to do? Okay, this is what we're going to do. Let's follow up on this. Like, we have to have an action item. And a lot of times people would just get together and pray and they wouldn't do anything. God has called us to do both. Like, if you take a look at the word faith where the, in the book of James, where he's talking about, you know, um, that it, walking in faith is that faith, you is it's 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 a verb and a noun it's not just something you have but it's actually something you do and so we're going to walk it out and so we we pray yes but let's get up from our prayer time and let's actually do something with what god has placed in our minds and our hearts to do amen all right so nehemiah so he's part of that third wave and he he comes back and and 
and, and he brings about change. And I'm going to kind of catch you up. We're not going to go through all the scriptures of Nehemiah. This is not an exhaustive, in-depth study on the book of Nehemiah. But long story short, he ends up going and, and they're rebuilding the wall and, and they, they get sections of the wall built and he organizes them. And uh, he's like, a, he's a great manager, CEO, empower of people. He's a great, he's got a leadership anointing on him. So he begins to put people in place and is like, okay, the Pilagos are going to, they're going to take care of this wall over here. We've got the Kirby's, you guys are going to watch over this wall there. The Dalby's and the Peterson's, because they're neighbors, they're going to work on the same wall. Uh, they're going to hang this gate. So he begins to put different things like that into place. And guess what? The walls end up getting built. And in record time, I want to say it was like 52 days that they, they were able to rebuild the city walls by just getting some processes and some systems and some organization. When there's unity, God commands the blessing. That's why for me, like even like putting out my pastor's perspective on the voting is because some people just don't know. Like some, some people haven't done the research and I'm so grateful for people that are in our congregation that helped with the research to put that together. And uh, Sean Dada, thank you very much for helping put that together and different people that helped me with that. And is, some people just don't know. And, and some would ask, well, aren't you concerned with, with separation of church and state? No. And let me just tell you why. Because separation of church and state, if you go and you look at that law, that was, those laws were actually enacted to keep the government out of the church. Not to keep the church out of the government. And so we put that together just as a, a resource to you. And so I want to encourage you, you can find it on my Instagram page, or if you find me after service, I'd be glad to share that with you as well. But be informed. Be informed and do something with it. In, in dinner the other night where we had the kids and, and uh, Fawn and I and the kids, and we actually had Kara who was leading worship today, she was over for dinner, and, and one of the things that we like to do as a family is we have these uh, like little conversation starters, those little cards, you know, you get, you see them, you probably marketed to just as much as I am and, you know, probably say yes more than you should. And so we bought this little conversation starter things and have all these cards and it's like, you know, what, what, what's one thing that your parents do you wish they didn't do? That <laughs> was one of the cards. Uh, what do you want to do when you get older? Um, and then one of the cards was, what makes you sad? And we, re we went around the table and listened to my kids share what makes them sad. And, and I always like to go last because I, I more so just want to hear them. And, and then I, sh I shared at the end and what makes me sad is people that are just flippant towards God. Like he's, man, if they only knew. Like if they only knew how good he was. If they, if they only knew how gracious he was. If they only knew how loving he was. If they only knew how wise he was. If they only knew how forgiving. And some people, they're just like, eh, I don't do the God thing or I don't do the church. I'm just like, Man, if you only knew, and that breaks my heart, that moves me. That's a burden that I feel, like that burns inside of me. And maybe you, you, everybody here, I believe you have something that burns inside of you. You have something, like if I say, what makes you sad? A lot of times the answer to that question is going to lead to our purpose. You're going to have that sense of burden, and the reason that that burdens you is because you're called to go and be an answer to that area. 
So you feel burdened for single moms? Guess what? You probably, God's going to use you to be an answer to the single mom. You feel burdened for the homeless and the AC outreach, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we're doing this as a church, and I want to do more of this. You're probably going to help lead an area of this in the church. You, you, you feel a, a burden for sharing the gospel with everybody that you can, that you run into on the street. When you go to a movie theater, you're looking for somebody to talk to about Jesus. When you're traveling, you, you're looking for somebody. So you want to find somebody that doesn't know Christ and share the love of Christ with them. That's because you're going to be the answer. And we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, by the way, not just the evangelist. <laughs> all of us are called to do the work of the evangelist. But I'm burdened. Like, it makes me sad when people are so flippant towards the things of God. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this. It says, the God of this age, it's talking about the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot even see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So there's a scripture. So, what, so when you read a scripture, for those of you that have been part of the Bible studies I led, I've led, when we read a scripture, then it's like, okay, if that stands out to me, then how do I pray that? Well, then I pray, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that their eyes are going to be enlightened, that they're going to be able to see the light and the glory of Jesus Christ, that you're going to open their eyes to the things of you. And so we begin to pray that. That that moves me. Nehemiah sat down and he wept. If he didn't get up and go, then who would have? God might have raised somebody else up. The only reason we have the book of Nehemiah is because he actually got up and did something. Your life and my life is living epistles. Like we're we're some of us, we're the only Christians, we're the only Bible somebody's ever gonna read. You're, you're the only Jesus that they're ever gonna know. Is Jesus in you? What does that look like? What are we portraying? What are we showing to them? Like, let's be people that stand in conviction. Let's be people of purity and holiness. Let's, let, let's be people that, that are loving and gracious and kind, but we are un, unwavering men. Like, we are, we are strong in what we believe, and we have confidence. And if you're not strong in what you believe, I'd encourage you, go get in the Scriptures until you have the strength of understanding. The reason that I can stand so strong in voting no on Proposition 1 and why I think that is so evil that you would be able to murder a child that's gone to full term, let alone, I mean, any child, but especially one that's gone to full term. The reason that I have such a strong conviction that that Proposition 1 is absolutely evil and a slap in the face of God is because I know the Scriptures. I know what the Bible says about the preciousness of life that before He formed you, that he knew you, that he had a plan, a purpose, destiny for every single life, and that it's mismarketed as reproductive life there, there, rights. There's, it's not reproductive rights. Like you can package it and, and sell it any way you want to. I'm sorry, Sacramento. I'm sorry, Newsom, but that is murder. It's not reproductive rights. Don't try to lie to me, and don't sit here and put a bunch of signs in other states that are billboards telling people, hey, come to California and have your abortion because all the people in California want to pay for that with their taxes. Don't do that. And I love one of the signs. Somebody had an idea that they're going to start putting a billboard that says, come to California to, to send your baby up, give your baby for adoption. I love those signs. Many things are going to catch your eye, but there's going to be a few things in your life that are going to catch your heart. That's what you give your life to. Go for those things. So what do we do? 
The answer is clear in the scriptures. We see 2 Chronicles 7.14. You know the scriptures. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'm going to forgive their sin and heal their land. We need healing in our land. And God, it's just as it starts, if. He's like, if. If you would just pray, if you would just take a, take a moment, just, well, I don't know that my prayers are powerful and effective. Well, then you don't know what the Bible says, because the Bible says that anybody that's righteous, your prayers are powerful and effective. And he's just like, if, if my people who are called by my name, if they would just pray, I would do so many great things for them. I would bring about change. I'm going to ask Kara and Mark to join me up at the front. You can begin to play something. And then in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, it's probably one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. And this, what, this is what led to the destruction of Jerusalem. God says, So I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the sake of the land that I would not destroy it. Look at the text. But I found no one. Not even one. Are you kidding me? Not one person was willing to put their neck out? Not one person was standing for the things of God? Not one person said, I'm not going to do this. And not one person was going to stand up and declare Jesus. Like, not one person. I know this is the Old Testament. I'm, I'm liking it to the church today. Not one person can stand. I find comfort in the fact that through one man's prayer, through the prayer of Moses standing in the gap saying, Lord, do not, I, I'm begging you, please, don't, don't depart, don't let your spirit, God, I'm, I'm begging you, through the prayers of one man and the nation was saved. And here we see Ezekiel, the Lord is saying, if I just had one, you're the one. You might be the only one in your entire family. I was. And they thought I was crazy. That's, the jury's out on that one. I might be a little. They thought I was crazy. You might be the one. You might be the only one that goes to that coffee shop. That's a Christian. Might be the only one. Might be the only one that that barista will see all day long. Actually has the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of them. You might be the only one on your job. You might be the only one on that floor there you work at. You might be the only one. I just want to encourage you, stand for the things of God. I pray a strengthening into you. As we close today, why don't we just all stand and I have three action items because I want to be a man of action. <laughs> I have three action items for us today. Number one, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you consider yourself part of Authentic Church, I want to ask you to pray and fast Monday through Wednesday fast fast food if you want to fast social media and other things do that too that's great but i just want to ask you will you fast food some of you you may not be able to fast the whole day that's okay maybe sun up to sundown and it's just your day because it's daylight savings time so it gets sundown a little bit earlier than it did last week <laughs> 
But maybe it's just fasting sun up to sundown and you just say, you know what? I'm going to actually pray. I'm going to take a walk on my lunch hour instead of going into the lunchroom or going to that restaurant or whatever. I'm actually going to go on a prayer walk and I'm going to use that daily prayer card that Pastor Jeff keeps talking about and I'm actually going to pray through it. I'm going to pray for righteousness in the land. I'm going to pray for people to know Jesus. I'm going to pray that there's going to be integrity at the voting booths this year. I'm going to pray that there's going to be righteous laws enacted and evil laws shot down. I'm going to pray that there's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit in Orange County. I'm going to pray. So number one, fast and pray. Number two, pray that daily prayer card every single day. For me personally, it's just that that touch point for me. Where in the mornings, I just, I hold it. I pray through it. Sometimes I get all the way through it. Sometimes I get stuck in one area. That's okay. The goal is that you're encountering God. And pray. Pray through the prayer card. And then number three, I want to encourage you, take action. Be a voice. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Who told you that you shouldn't offend anybody? Jesus offended people. They killed him for it. He offended people. The gospel is offensive. The grace of God is offensive. If you don't want to be offended, then I'm, I'm sorry, Christian. you may need to look at your Christianity. If you want everybody to like you, you picked the wrong club, man. Like you, they, they, uh, <laughs> it's not, There's not where everybody likes you. In fact, it's growing increasingly more difficult, which is actually kind of a good thing. Because then we see who's playing church or who is really serving their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, am I just physically showing up and doing something? Or man, you know what? Spiritually, this is real to me. Like, I'm living like there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And I want to populate heaven with as many people and be used mightily by God to bring as many people to heaven with me. So number one, fast Monday through Wednesday. Number two, pray the daily prayer card every day. Every day. And then number three, take action. Spread the word. If you want to take my post and just quietly repost it, feel free to do so, man. Go for it. I'm fine. I've been silenced on Instagram before. I've been shot down in <laughs> a lot on Instagram. I do not care. <laughs> if you want me to take the pot shots for you, no problem. Just repost what I already posted. You know, I'm totally cool with that. I will be okay. I will sleep well at night. And I hope you do too. Let's pray. And then let's go forth from this place. And let's make a difference in this world. Amen. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit right now. God, I thank you that you're quickening hearts and minds, God, that, they, that we're going to live for you, God, and we're not just going to stand by and not pray. God, I thank you that our prayers are powerful and effective in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. So, God, we're praying in Jesus' name for righteousness to be exalted in our nation, that righteousness would be exalted in Orange County, in Costa Mesa, in California. God, we pray righteousness would be exalted in Jesus' name. God, we pray against compositions and laws and lawmakers that would try to detract from your plan and detract from the things of God. And we pray, Father, that there would be an overabundance of people that come out and vote for life, that they vote for righteousness, that they vote with good common sense, God, that they vote with wisdom. They vote according to the Bible, not based on feelings. We base we base our life based on Christianity and the principles that God, that Jesus gave us, not on what culture 
culture saying. And so, Lord God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that there will be righteous laws enacted and we declare righteous lawmakers elected in Jesus' name. And God, I pray, Father, for those of us that are here today, God, maybe in our own life there's rubble, that there's dreams and visions and desires and relationships and health and situations that feels like it's a pile of rubble. God, I'm praying that you would resurrect those things. God, that there would be revival that would come in areas of our life that looks like rubble right now, but it's going to be a glorious wall in Jesus' mighty name. God, I pray, Father, for those that barely made it to church today. God, I pray that their spirits would be strengthened, that they would be filled with a boldness from on high, that they would be filled with the boldness that comes through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Permeate this place. Permeate our hearts and minds, our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, God, I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for the fire of the things of you. God, I pray for a passion for reading the word, a passion for prayer, a passion for worship, God. I pray, Father, that we can't wait to get into the presence of God, that it's not just on a Sunday. God, that we would turn our cars into an altar, that our homes would become a church, a sanctuary where your glory would dwell. God, I pray, Father, for the fire of the Holy Spirit in and through your people, in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give God praise today? bless you. Have an awesome week. Don't forget to get out and vote on Tuesday in person if you can. If you have children, you can go ahead and be dismissed and go pick those kiddos up. And please take a moment when you pick up your kids. Thank those, those kids ministers that are ministering to your kids. We don't do child care at our authentic church. We have kids ministry. Your kids were blessed and ministered to. Take a moment to thank them. If you need prayer for anything, the prayer team will be up front and uh, we'd be honored to pray with you. God bless you, Authentic Church. Have a great, have a great week. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.